Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Podcast. My name is Tobias Dahlberg. I am the founder and strategist here at Wonder Inc. And in this episode, we're talking about innovation. And I brought my colleague, Alyssa Stoisolovich, to join me for a discussion about innovation. What's happening? What's working? What's not working? And Alyssa is heading up our division called Wonder Design Lab, and she is our strategic design director. So welcome, Alyssa. Thank you, Tobias. Thank you for having me. Maybe you could share first a little bit um, your, about your background and uh, how you got your current job. Yeah, okay. So perfect. I My background is in design, very, very tactile design, let's say hands-on working with materials and then progressing into uh, higher level design, which is what I've been practicing for some time now, which is called strategic design, and specifically solving very complex problems within the system of a brand and a business to help, let's say, um, drive more value to consumers, but also to help companies to be profitable. So strategic design, I think, is an interesting word that hasn't perhaps existed for so long, or let's say most people aren't familiar with the term. So if we compare strategic design to just normal design or perhaps design thinking, like what are the differences? Could you open up that a little bit? Yeah, so design thinking is rooted in problem solving, and so is strategic design. And um, strategic design, there's a couple of camps of thought out there, what strategic design really is. And so there's service design where people have called it strategic, and strategic design and most people think of it as let's say strategic with a small s so um, <laughs> the easiest way to describe it is is just like that so meaning um, okay so we're going to do something that's thoughtful here or we're going to connect something but the strategic design that I've been practicing is actually uh, comes from the Citra uh, Helsinki Design Lab model, which is systems-based. So it's really designing for systems, more complex systems. Think of healthcare or government where there's more than one key stakeholder um, within that system. So for example, in healthcare, you might have hospitals and insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies, and things get very complex very quickly. And so mm. companies, um, when you apply this methodology to brands and businesses, basically, you can help them to, at the very top level, uh, reduce complexities, break down silos, uh, and enable, let's say, um, better solutions, more holistic, durable solutions, much faster than perhaps, let's say, traditional design or design thinking, where design thinking actually focuses on okay, what is something specific for the consumer and it doesn't always affect the business side of it. Mm. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Mm. So design thinking sometimes might be too focused on one particular problem instead of the larger context. Is that what it means? Yeah, it, design thinking is very rooted in being humans, uh, human-centered and mm. human-centric, which is great. We want to design for the people we are actually solving problems for, meaning customers, consumers, real people. Um, but in strategic design, this actually takes some of those design, you know, it's rooted in traditional design and problem solving. So there's a lot of uh, cross-pollination happening there with methodologies and, and mm. skill sets. But in the strategic at design aspect with the big S, um, <laughs> it actually solves problems on the business side that then get rolled out to be something that is more desirable or holistic or actually a much more durable solution mm. because it's integrated not only, it's not only integrating the customer or the consumer, but it's also integrating the 
case of the business mm. and looking at what is the long-term goal of the business? Who are they? What needs to happen? What's currently happening that's um, maybe causing them to not be able to be relevant anymore for their customers or consumers. Mm. So someone might say, I need, I need a new product to be relevant to my customers and consumers, but maybe there's a different truth behind that. Maybe it's not a product that's required. Maybe um, people, let's say consumers or customers, don't believe in the, the brand's values anymore. Mm. You're an industrial designer by trade, right? By, by schooling. Yes, that's correct. That's so correct. what got you interested in, in strategic design and these more complex problems? Yeah, I I had the, I was very fortunate to be very hands-on in, in many businesses that I was working with um, when I first started my career. And so my background when I was doing industrial design, I was not only designing, but I was actually going into factories and seeing how to innovate on the factory floor to create a different outcome. And these were very complex problems at the time. So it's not something that maybe someone on the factory floor could see a new way of doing it, but it took a whole team of people. Mm. And um, as I progressed in my career, I, I more or less started solving problems just naturally. They, I just gravitated towards them. Um, I started solving problems within the companies I worked for that no designer wanted to touch. <laughs> so that was like a first signal for me to say like, oh, what, what is, what's really happening here? How come no one wants to touch this problem? <laughs> um, and so and I, I realized, well, okay, for me, it's, it's very comfortable and natural, and I'm clearly very passionate about it still to this day, but, um, but it was very interesting to see that no one wanted to touch the problem because it was too complex. So they brought you in always like, we have a really bad, hairy problem here. Let's bring in <laughs> Alyssa. <laughs> yeah. Or someone would stop by and say like, hey, could you help me with this? Yeah. And uh, yeah, sure. What is it? Tell me what's going on. And, mm. and strategic design and, and innovating is really about, because I, I do believe that strategic design is an, a way of innovating and also mm. an innovation-based pro- process. Um, that you need to really be able to listen. Okay, tell me, what's going on? Mm. What is it? Perhaps for people who don't make the connection between design and innovation, how would you make that connection and why is design so crucial to innovation? Yeah, this is a great question. I, ha- I want to share one Thank you. background. <laughs> 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 great question, Tobias. Thanks. <laughs> As you know, we get this question all the time, It's right? Friday, I'm feeling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling, Tobias? Tell me, it's Friday. <laughs> I'm feeling very good. Uh, I just ruined that question. That's but anyway, okay. let's talk about the, the link between design and innovation because there's an essential link and I don't think everyone really understands why design is so essential to innovation. Yeah, there's a lot of companies or let's say brands and businesses that might believe that design is something that you do after you innovate or um, at the end of the process or we have a strategy and we've worked out what we want to do and and we think we know how to do it and then um, at the last moment then we bring in the design team but um, actually the world has changed so rapidly as you know and um, <clears throat> the link between innovation and design is that you can no longer separate them design is inherent mm. in innovation because you have to design um, the innovation process you actually have to design in you know, like new concepts, new innovative ways of doing things to create new value mm. in your innovation pipeline. And so it's no longer about just an innovation methodology. It's about how can we design our innovation to be faster, mm. smarter, more exactly. efficient, and have much greater outcomes. Yeah, I agree. And I think innovation is kind of the, the outcome. I mean, when, you, when we talk about innovation, it's something that there's this value that mm-hmm. changes people or, or provides value to them, but really how you 
how you you know design is how you do it and i think there's too many maybe people who think that innovation is invention like you yes. come up with a new piece of technology or, or a new product but really it isn't innovation before a change occurs and someone someone kind of experiences new value and it helps them in some way exactly and i think i think and that's i know we talk about this a lot internally and i think that definition sort of broadens the whole game of innovation quite a lot and sometimes you don't even have to to change technology and change the product in order for for you to provide value to someone it could it could even be a piece of communication mm. just helping yeah. people to understand things in a new way or a different way could could create massive amounts of value hence that could be called innovation as well Exactly, and I think that's a very good point, Tobias, that you make. It's it's really about the end outcome. So, um, quite often people will say we have we have an innovation pipeline, we have innovation processes, but what comes out is actually uh, just a standard business offering that you would need to fuel your business forward. So, for example, we have a new line extension, or we have a new a product, but maybe there's really no new value in it, and mm. so that's where the discrepancy I think really lies. Like. It's the outcome. Is it innovative versus, okay, an invention is an invention, but it's an invention is not really relevant until it provides value. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if we think about innovation and how that is taking place in companies and, 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 you know, and, and what we see out there and what you see working with innovation from day to day, what do you see companies struggling with when it comes to innovation? Yeah, I would say there's there's maybe three key things that most companies struggle with today. And and every company is different. Mm. And of course, um, what their needs are are going to be radically different. And that means needs internally and also externally within their company. So, But three things. One, um, I think most companies struggle with the mindset. So um, I like to call it reactive versus proactive innovation. So if you're reactive and you're responding to, I have... Um, X amount of capacity on this manufacturing line, I need to find something to deliver that's new to my customers, I would say that's definitely reactive. You're not really thinking about the customer's needs or the consumer need and how to create new value. You're thinking about your own internal business problem. Um, and then you know, on the flip side is being proactive. And so really, how do you th change your mindset to think about okay, we need to approach innovation differently. We need to drive more value than anyone else in our space, in our field, to, prov to provide um, meaning to customers and, and consumers. So that's one thing, mindset. Mm. Um, the second thing, I think, is really awareness in terms of what is innovation. So most companies um, that we see today struggle with a handful of things. They're not maybe aware of what are the right methods what, are, what, are, what is the scope of methods that you can use in innovation? Um, most companies don't have an awareness of um, what innovation strategy is and how to create an innovation strategy to inform your innovation process. Um, and typically it's driven by business strategy, but really you should have an innovation strategy where you identify who you're designing for, who you're innovating for, um, where you're gonna set your targets, how you're gonna get there, um, and then some guiding principles for, let's say, of course, there should be like a <coughs> innovation portfolio and, and matrix and all of these things. But um, w when you bring it all together, then you have a clear idea that you can brief your team on to say, okay, here's how we're going to innovate. And then really then it comes down to best practices. So people say like, ah, yeah, yeah, I've heard of lean or I've heard of agile and I don't know which one to go with or are they s the same? I don't know. Mm. And so it's really awareness of what's available to innovate 
more mm. rapidly or uh, with better outcomes. Mm, exactly. And, and so let's talk about Wonder Design Lab. And obviously we're promoting a little bit our own services here, but I hope you don't mind that. Let's do it. So <laughs> Wonder Design Lab was conceived uh, uh, over the course of the last, I would say, two to three years. We yes. just haven't sort of talked about it so much, but it's, it's kind of rooted in the methods that we learned over doing innovation quite heavily for the last uh, eight years or so. And so maybe you could open up a little bit like what we mean by Wonder Design Lab and, and sort of why those methods are, are justified and how they can improve innovation. Yeah, so Wonder Design Lab, although it's called design, it's it's really oriented towards innovation and design. And as I mentioned earlier, we really consider it um, that you can't take the design out of innovation and you shouldn't take the innovation out of design, so they're mm. linked. Yeah. Um, but of course, Wonder Design Lab has like a, a nicer ring to it than Wonder Innovation Lab. Um, <laughs> so mouthful, right? But uh, yeah, so what we've been doing, as Tobias mentioned, is we're actually, we're, we've been doing this for some time, is what we realized is that we need to be able to help clients in, I have to pause that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I just pick up from there? Sure. Okay. Sure. All right. So maybe go back a little bit so I yeah. can. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Wonder Design Lab is a innovation and design lab, meaning a physical space. Either we have one here at the office. It's a very large room that we convert into uh, whatever the needs are for the day, and we also set up labs around the globe. So if you need something in Denmark, no problem. We can set up a lab there, and we basically we bring in both innovation and design into the mix because you can't separate the two. So mm. we're focusing on providing new ways to innovate and and also design to create better solutions for customers and clients. Um, and really the focus is that uh, we get hands-on. So we leave the boardroom behind, we leave the PowerPoint decks behind, and we really roll up our sleeves. Yeah. And so maybe you could open up that we talk about uh, a playground for innovation and sort of where that thinking comes from and how that's different from perhaps the more traditional, slightly more linear uh, waterfall model of innovation. We, we don't do the waterfall. We don't go phase to phase. We don't go uh, through innovation gates. We, we don't go through that funnel, although there is some sort of structure. But, um, you know, the, the having innovation gates and taking it through stages is a very long, drawn-out po process. Mm. And often... Uh, it's stifling, as in the innovation doesn't move forward very rapidly and it can become paralyzed, meaning clients don't really know where to invest the resources to say, is this idea better than that idea or how do mm. we take this idea forward? And so we take this more iterative approach and we actually um, we bring everyone into a physical space. We get hands-on with the prototyping, the testing, the learning and the designing, so it's very um, cyclic in nature. And so we get very quick learnings that we can then say, okay, we, we know that this is the right direction. Mm. And now we're going to build upon this idea. Yeah. I remember one week I walked into the lab. It's always exciting to walk in there because you never know what to expect. And, and one day there was this drinks uh, tasting, I guess, insights workshop. And the next day you had transformed it into a live prototype. So there was like a whole shop-in-shop -shop concepts built out of cardboard. And I guess you guys were testing messaging and and the flow and maybe you could open up that a little bit what was going on yeah so the beauty of the space is that we can actually turn it over instantly so when i think it was less than 24 hours that all happened meaning we had to build a full-scale prototype of an in-store service experience um overnight and then we tested and then we tore it down and then we went straight away into this other um client need and so 
we we actually we build these things to test and to learn, and so there's no reason to design all the way to the endpoint where we say, okay, now we know this is going to be the in-store service concept, and okay, we hand it off to you, the client, and we wish you the best with it, mm. um, without really testing it with actual customers, meaning the people whose stores it's going into, and then the consumers, people who are buying. Um, the product and the service itself. So uh, in, the, in that scenario, we actually were testing um, user journeys and uh, communications, visuals, and, and also text-based communications. Mm. And we're, we're testing the interaction. So is the journey clear? Does it, does it actually enable people to take the appropriate actions and behaviors within the in-store concept that, mm. that say the client would like to have happen? Um, and so we had very quick learnings, and uh, our secret is paper and industrial Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> it will prototype anything you want. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we turn it around very quickly. We get the learnings instantly with all the parties that need to be involved, and we can go redesign and, and take the learnings forward. And then the next day, we can set it up again for a different client need, and we say, okay, what are we solving today? How do we need to innovate? We're gonna use different techniques and methods than we did for the in-store service concept, um, but we are still going to get hands-on, and we're going to test and prototype mm. and, and take those learnings. Mm. Uh, I feel tempted to say this sounds brilliant, but obviously I'm part of this, so I won't say that, but it sounds brilliant. Yeah, right. Um, well, actually, we've heard this from clients. <laughs> Sorry, we have heard this from clients. Mm. Um, you know, clients come in, and they say, like, you can do what? Mm. Are you, do, well, how is this prototype even standing? How am I standing in a full-scale retail concept right now? You built it in how many hours? What? Yeah. Um, and so what we've really been able to do, the brilliance of it is actually like this process, it's somewhere between lean innovation, design thinking, and design, mm. um, that we've actually been able to cut down the timelines So mm. for innovation. So what might happen over a course of months, now we can do in weeks. Yeah. Of course, clients are very happy about that. Yeah. Um, and then we, we can improve the hit rate and the quality of the innovation and, and actually deliver more value in the innovation mm. itself. And of course, we have these quick learnings because it's not only important that we learn because we're solving the problems, but it's also really, really important that the client learns why things happen and for what reasons and mm. how they can innovate faster mm. and smoother in the process. Okay, so let's get really practical with this. Okay, let's so, get hands-on. Let's, let's get hands-on. And uh, I'm just going to um, come up with a... I'm just going to come up with, a, with an example. So let's say I have a coffee brand. I'm the owner of a coffee brand. I sell packaged coffee products. And lately, I've been suffering... Uh, my customers, the buyers, have been telling me that, that my product doesn't sell out as well as it used to. And there's this other brand that hit the market, and I think they're very similar. And, and some people have told me that the coffee actually tastes more or less the same. And now I'm wondering why customers are flocking away and uh, what I should do. I want to innovate. I want to differentiate. I want to create some more value. I want to grow my business. Where should I do? Yes. So step number one, we need some actionable insights. So before you can innovate anything, we need to understand a few things. So actionable insights are insights that you generate through speaking with your consumers, speaking with your potential customers, um, going out into the market, seeing what's happening, what's happening with your, in your own company, in your own business. So we look at the world around us, we look, um, we listen, and then we start to see, okay, 
ah, okay, that consumer actually said that they believe the coffee is terrible, but the packaging is fantastic, and I bought it once, but I'm not going to buy it again. Okay, well, if you want them to come back and enjoy your business and the value that you deliver, then you need to amp it up. And so mm. we have something there that is actionable. We understand what's happening for that consumer. We understand why. Mm-hmm. So we want to get really to the why, and this is yeah. what design research does. Yeah. And so we're we're really digging in deep to the why, and then once we have the why, and we understand what is value to consumers, so you can use different methodologies, like mm. jobs to be done is used very commonly for innovation work. Mm-hmm. Um, just Google that or, or yeah. look it up. But once you have those actionable insights, then you really have the foundation to take it into step two. Okay. Yeah. So step two, now that you have your insights, you know that that you can take action on them, then you can start the ideation process. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've identified who your consumer is, who you want to innovate for. You have an understanding of what is valuable to them, what is not valuable to them, and why. And then um, you will start to frame. So let's start in the ideation process of framing. Mm -hmm. Framing is really looking at different uh, frames, as we say, uh-huh. uh, to to really frame the situation or the scenario. So, if I know all of those things, it can be framed ten different different ways, right? I always like to say there's a million ways to solve a problem, mm. but what we need to do first is frame what is the way in this context. So you might make a few frames. So, for example, a frame is um, how might we deliver new value to uh, this type of consumer uh, related to driving more meaning into the packaged coffee. Mm. So Exactly. And, and that could be, so I'm just making this up now. So we found out that, that the coffee is actually on par with the other coffee, but in this instance, it's about community. It's something about what it stands for. It's something greater than the bean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beans are great. Yeah, fantastic. But, but there is something greater than beans. Yeah, and people are complex. They want more out of life. They want more meaning in their life. They want greater experiences. And we know from living day to day that it's about experiences and connection and meaning. And so mm. how can you drive those factors into your innovation process? People are willing to pay the biggest price or the most money for the most intangible things, which is kind of counterintuitive. Or it's not actually counterintuitive, but it's not something we talk about a lot. Like this feeling of belonging or something, which you can't really touch yeah, or, you, or stroke. <laughs> but it's intangible, and those are the things that really matter to people. And I think that when you mentioned the why, I think when, you're not, when, you, do, when you don't stop at feature, packaging, design, and all these things, but actually go deeper, then you can actually find something which is really meaningful, which, which uh, can really set you apart. Yeah, and that's a very good point, because most companies, when you say the word innovation, they think, what are we going to deliver and how do we deliver it? Yeah. But very often do you hear, why are we innovating for who, for what reason, and, and what greater good does it serve? Yeah. Our industry, our sector, our consumers, our yeah. company. So, okay. So you mentioned we go out, we meet with people, we observe them, we, we go back to the lab or any environment. It could be your own office or your bathroom. <laughs> and... Uh, and then you sometimes that's where the best innovation happens but that yes. is true that yes. is true where you feel more relaxed yeah let's not go into that it's friday <laughs> forgive us anyways so you bring your 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 information you, you 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 try to analyze it make sense of it and then you frame like you said like try to find a perspective uh and and ask yourself a question right 
Yeah. And then you ideate. You can ask yourself a question. You can make different scenarios. Um, what what if scenarios? Yeah. You can, and the, and the framing part is more or less a very critical part of the process because it's there where you already are either stuck in your mindset. Oh, I know what it is, and now I'm just going to go solve that problem, or. You change your mind and you say, okay, well, this actually, what if we did it this way? Oh, what would be the outcome? That would be radically different. Oh, nobody's doing that. Mm. Is that a white space? Yeah. Are, should we chase that target? Should we dedicate our resources to building that idea further? Yeah. So framing is really essential to innovation. It's I critical. Mean, but but critical. like a maybe easier way to put that is asking the right question is yeah. essential to innovation. Yeah. I love the saying that you have, Tobias, where you always say like, yeah, we have... We have, do we have the right idea? And then how do we get the idea right? Yeah, so that's the next step then. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so let's say you have the framing down and you have some very inspiring different ways of looking at the problem. Then um, let's say you go straight away into ideating. And so ideating is really, there's a lot of different creative techniques from design thinking, from uh, different innovation-based processes and lean lean innovation or startup approaches, but it's really about building out that idea. And it doesn't mean designing for the end solution. Mm. It doesn't mean that at all. It really means we are going to build out this idea until we get it right. right. So we want to ideate and test. And we want to, let's say, take those same consumers we talk to and bring them back in. And so let's say we're hands-on in a lab environment, you're hands-on in your office. You want to be ideating by connecting your mind to your hands. So, of course, most you see most companies using Post-it notes, which is a great tool, but um, there's a lot of other things you can use to play and prototype. So Legos are used commonly in service design, or um, you can use different materials. You know, like any uh, standard design process, you might have uh, molding clay, and mm. you might have... Um, I don't know, something where you can go mock something up. You make a 2D yeah. mock-up, you make a 3D mock-up, you build a prototype. Yeah. And you build a prototype not only to learn, but you build a prototype to actually share with your consumers as well and get mm. feedback on. Yeah. And so when you test your ideas, your initial ideas, and there should be a lot of initial ideas, and you go out and you test it with your consumers, you either can take it to the consumer or you bring those consumers into the lab, then you start to really have clear learnings. Mm. Ah, okay, we thought with this framing this would be the most valuable to them, but it turns out it's slightly different, the real experience that yeah. the consumers are having. Okay, yeah. we need to design for this differently. We need to actually um, think about innovating in a different way or process to, to integrate more value. Yeah. I think it just touched upon something that, at least in my experience, is crucial and what separates sort of this design or innovation by design, if you will, approach to just kind of a regular... Uh, waterfall process like I also used to do these innovation workshops for many many years where where sort of you have a lot of ideas and you write them down on post-it notes but then sort of uh, and you try to take them maybe a little bit forward to to sort of first level concepts if you will but still the problem with that is that it sort of becomes an intellectual discussion then at the end of saying like, is this a good idea? Should we take this forward? And the truth is no one really knows. It's no one has the crystal ball. Yeah. And unfortunately, typically it's the person who ha you know, who's the furthest away from the customer, the boss who gets to decide. And I think we've both seen this many times. Yes, yes. And that's why I think it's so crucial to use this design mentality where you or design thinking mm -hmm. where you advance 
you don't basically stop at the idea and try to evaluate because that's where you apply logic again. Yeah. But you actually take it forward and you learn more and you learn more, like just like you said. Yeah. And in those moments, as you described, Tobias, it's actually it's not even a real idea yet. It's not even, it hasn't had a chance to live and breathe yeah. and develop. So to already make a decision or put it through a certain innovation gate, um, that's where it can become paralyzing because you don't know how to move it forward or yeah. how do we know? You don't even know what it is. I mean, yeah. basically it's like a... could still be a million things. Yeah. It could be a million scenarios that it ends up being at the end of the day. Yeah, you have to nourish it and... and, and Let so it forth. flourish. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really the key part about Wonder Design Lab. So how do you do that? It's really about play and it's yeah. really about experimentation. It's really about getting hands-on. And so without that part and saying like, ah, I've just built it this way. Okay, now I'm going to go build it a different way. Yeah. Now I'm going to go build it a completely different way. Okay, now I've got three scenarios I can look at and really see like what what are the opportunities in each one of them? Yeah. Which ones deliver the greatest value? Wow, I didn't even think about this. I could integrate this into this component and yeah, yeah. and let's add that attribute. I love the playground and the play world because it's it's it allows for people to think kind of what you think of of yourself as a child when you play like there's no risk there's no failure it's just uh, constant movement exactly. and it's fun and yeah. i think that's the nice thing that you should understand that you shouldn't apply all those critical layers and all those all the judgment at mm. that point because you're dealing with something that is just a potential idea or potential solution to something yeah yeah that's a really beautiful statement because quite often we hear clients say like we tried this innovation process and it failed mm. and and you think well if it was really an innovation process then it didn't fail yeah. it should not have failed you yeah okay let me hear more what's happening what happened for you um yeah. and the truth is that the play it's continuous and so it's not really it's not failing at all it's actually just continuing the process until you find the greatest outcome yeah exactly well that's nice Alyssa. i know you and i can can talk about yeah, this for, for several no. days straight we won't we won't we'll do that sometime people. in an innovation marathon but uh i think um I think maybe this is a good place to stop. And uh, as always, um, we're very keen for people to interact, send us questions, comments. We're happy to 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 create a dialogue. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, and really, we're always looking to develop our own skills as well. I think we've come a pretty f long way. And yeah. But but I I always like to think that the only way to become extraordinary is to have that growth mindset to never think that you've arrived that's the most dangerous thing you can do and that's mm. a sure recipe for mediocrity but anyways uh thanks so much Alyssa, for joining the, the podcast thank and, you for uh, having me thank you so much thank you everyone <laughs> thank you Enjoy. everyone thank you <laughs>